Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Amazing. Do you have a Bible with you today? Do you bring your word? Do you bring a Bible? You can make a little more noise if you, if you don't mind. I want to preach quickly today, and I do better at preaching quickly when, it, when it's a little louder in the room. And so, do you bring a Bible with you today? Come on, open it up to the book of Genesis, if you would. As you know, we are in a series called Dreamer. The last uh, three weeks, we've been looking at the life of Joseph the Dreamer, and today I'm going to do my best to bring a conclusion to this series. Now, the amazing thing about the Word of God is I'm not going to say all the things that could be said about this particular character. In fact, if you stick around vivid for a while, it won't be the last time we talk about Joseph. Why? Because the Bible says that everything that's written right here is written for our encouragement, so that through the encouragement we see in Scripture... And through the endurance that we see modeled, we might have hope. And I want us to be people of hope. How about you? In fact, I believe that as we look at Joseph's life, I'm growing a little more hopeful. Because God wants to speak to you through dreams as well. How many people would say you've ever had a dream, like a dream at night that meant something to you when you woke up? Anybody ever had a dream and afterwards it meant something to you? Amazing. How many people have ever had a daydream? We're not talking about a dream at night. You're like, I only dream crazy things at night. But you've had like a daydream or a, a picture that you're like, that meant something to me. Anybody? How many people have ever had what you'd say, that was like a vision. Like I was praying and then I had this real clear picture from God. Maybe of an inanimate thing or perhaps of a purpose for your future. Could you wave at me? Amazing. How many people have, through the course of strategic prayerful planning, you have come up with what you believe is a dream for your future? Like you've prayed about it, thought about it, you've gotten people's input in your life. You're like, man, this is what I'm aiming for, some goal setting. Come on, wave at me if that's you. Okay, we got some dreamers in the room. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that in these last days, God will speak through dreams to young and old, male and female, rich and poor. There is no preferer of persons in the way that God would speak as he pours out his spirit on all flesh. He wants to speak to us. And a dream that comes from God is only possible through God, and the intention is for God, and the glory goes to God. Can I hear an amen? If you're like, I don't know where you're going with that, that means you've missed all three of these last Sundays, and you need to go back online. We put them all on YouTube. You can go on, check out our podcast, and get kind of caught up to speed. But we've been talking about this every week. Romans 11 says that, that from God, or yeah, from God and through God and to God and for God are all things. That he has wisdom he wants to impart to you, clarity he wants to give to you, uh, a picture of his preferred future for your life that would only be possible through him. Too many people are living for small dreams. Too many people are living for small, incomplete, fragmented, very realistic dreams. I'd rather dream an unrealistic dream. How about you? I want to dream a faith-filled, hope-filled dream for my future, not a safe dream. I don't want to just dream the, the type of dream that says, well, if I, if I work at it for at least a week or so, I can probably just make this happen. I want to dream the type of dream that would only be possible through the miraculous work of God in my life. Anybody else? Well, that's the type of dream God wants to put on your life. In fact, I would say for some, I, I look out of the room, in the room and I've talked to you. I know the heart that you have. And I, I would say you have a, a picture of what God's dream is for your life. For others in the room, I know your desire to have that. And if you want to hear from God, I'm telling you, he's speaking. He's always talking. 
He wants to speak to you and give you clarity. If you don't feel like you have a picture for your future, pray about it. Ask the Lord. He wants to, he wants to put that in your life and put that in your future. So today, I'll do my best to wrap up this story of Joseph. Very quickly, if I could remind you, Joseph, at the age of 17, had, an, had a dream. It would seem as though this was a dream at night. It would seem as though the next morning he woke up and thought, I need to tell everybody about it in detail. And he, he came uh, to his brothers. He had 10 older brothers. And he said, guys, awesome dream I had last night. It was so cool in this dream. Uh, I was the most important, and you were all bowing down to me. It was amazing. I wish you had been there. And they're not super thrilled with his dream. In fact, it's one of the many reasons they don't prefer their brother. He's favored by their dad. They just don't like how spoiled he is. And so they, they actually sell him into slavery. They throw him in a pit until some people walk, are, are, are coming by who purchase slaves, and they sell their brother into slavery. He finds himself enslaved in a country not his own, in the house of a man named Potiphar. And God's favor is upon his life so much so that Potiphar puts him in charge of all his affairs until... Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph of assault. He actually runs from her, her advances, and she goes, he, he made advances on me, and he's thrown into prison for a, a false accusation. In prison, again, he finds favor, and, and the warden of the whole prison says, I'm going to put this guy in charge. Joseph, you're trusted. I'm actually just going to be chilling in my office. If you need anything, you know how to get to me. He's like, I, I do, but it's through bars. He's like, exactly. You're in charge. Just leaves him in charge. And in that setting, he interprets a dream for one of Pharaoh's assistants. It comes true. He says, when it comes true, don't forget me. But he forgets him. And so Joseph then waits a few more years until he is finally brought into a place in Pharaoh's household where he has leadership of the entire land. Okay, I've caught you up to speed. If you weren't there these last three weeks, there's all sorts of details you could look at, but that's kind of the, 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 the broad strokes, okay? Now, with your Bible, we're going to go back to Genesis, but I need you to turn to 2 Peter first. 2 Peter. 2 Peter. It's right near the end of your Bible. Uh, if, if you need help, you can always look near the front couple pages of your Bible. It'll always tell you where to find that. If you don't have a page like that, you can look online. You can snuggle up to the person beside you and ask them. Or you could just listen to my mellifluous voice as I read it to you. Are you there? 2 Peter chapter 3. Chapter 3 says in verse 8, check this out. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. L let me back up. We're going we're gonna to get back to this verse, but let me back up a bit so you know the context into which this is spoken. Uh, the beginning of, of chapter 3, it says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate wholesome thinking. Peter wants to change the way we think. He goes, I I've observed there's some holes in your thinking. You've got some, some gaps in your understanding, and I want to stimulate a more wholesome perspective in the way that you think. How many people know that if our thinking changed, our life would change? That if you think more wholesome thoughts, you're going to live a more wholesome life? That if you think a more complete thought, you're going to live a more consistent 
life. He says, I want to stimulate wholesomeness in your thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by holy prophets and the command given by the Lord our Savior through the apostles. Above all, you must understand that in these last days, scoffers will come scoffing. Of course, that's what scoffers do, right? Scoff, not a word we use very much, but we've been there. There's probably emoji that describes it. I was talking about emojis. I don't use them. I would go with language. Scoffer's going to scoff, okay? He says, in these last days, there's going to be scoffers who come up and just scoff at you. They're going to scoff and follow their own evil desires. Scoffing is essentially losing faith. It's beginning to doubt. It's giving way to doubt, and it's turning something truthful into something just like a comedic punchline. Whatever. doesn't even matter anyway. Because in these last days, there's going to be people who start saying things that matter just don't even matter anyway. And scoffers going to scoff. They will say this. Where is this coming, he promised. Ever since your ancestors died, everyone and everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, God's word, he spoke this, that the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters also the world uh, of what time or of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. What? What Peter is saying is this. There will be people who question if God's ever going to keep his promise. The promise of Jesus, I will return for you. The promise of God, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in my house, there is many rooms. The promise of God that says, if you trust in me, that anyone who believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. There will become people in the last days who go, well, that, that can't be true because nothing ever changes. We're still going through hardship. There are people right here, right now on, on planet Earth, there's people right now in Canada who are going like, man, where's God now? Things are falling apart down here. What's going on? And he says this into that context, but don't forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. But God's not slow in keeping his promise, as some would understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. In other words, time is different for God. He sees time differently. Over time, he's not less passionate about the thing that he is going to fulfill just because time has passed. The, the passing of time doesn't deplete God of his power in any way. That the passing of time doesn't make God more prone to forgetfulness. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. He sees time differently. So when God says, I've got a plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to bring you hope and a future, you're like, awesome, where is it then? He's like, well, in due time. When God says, plant, and if you plant generously, you also reap generously. Awesome. Where's the harvest? He goes, well, after time. He sees time differently. I love what it says, that he's not slow in the way that we understand slowness. Isn't that interesting? Because we understand slowness subjectively, don't we? It would be really helpful if you at least nod through your mask, okay? We understand slowness differently, don't we? Like, like different drivers in the room understand slowness differently. 
For some men, we're only going 10 over. We're going too slow, right? We understand slowness differently. Different people in your household understand slowness differently, right? I thought you were going to do the dishes. Well, I am. I am. When the cupboard's empty and there's no more dishes, then I will. When I can't scrape it off anymore, then, then of course I will. I am. There's some who understand slowness differently. There's some who, who send the text message almost home before they leave. They understand slowness differently usually than the person they're texting to. Right? We understand slowness a little bit differently. We, we look at it subjectively. In fact, some people look at a one particular season and say, it's only been six months? And, and someone else who's been living with them goes, wow, it's already been six months. Right? For, for every person in, who, who's, who's been pregnant in the room, someone would come to you and go, wow, it's going so fast. And you're like, no, it's not. It's slow. Right? We understand slowness differently. And so in the same way that we understand slowness, maybe subjectively, what Peter is saying is that, that God has his own view of time. And so instead of understanding time through our lens, saying, God, why is it taking so long? We need to just understand. He goes, hey, just remember this one thing before you scoff. Remember this one thing before you stop believing. God doesn't see time the way you do. Wouldn't that be helpful for all of us if we started to recognize that, that other people don't see things the same way we do? Wouldn't it be amazing if we started to recognize that probably in virtually all things, God sees it a little bit differently than we do? So, so God views grace maybe a little bit differently than we do? He certainly views time differently. In fact, he says this, he's not slow in the way that some would understand slowness. Instead, God is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish. It goes on in verse 15 to say this, bear this in mind, that the Lord's patience means your salvation. God's patient with you. How many people would say that you are, you're gifted with patience? Anyone, you're, you're an overly patient person? Amazing. Awesome. Man, I could sit at your feet and learn some things. It's probably not my natural band. I like results. I like things happening quickly. When I've made a decision, I want to just now make all of the things happen. So that decision can be done. Anyone else? Yeah, when, when, when there, there's something that needs to be solved, I want to solve it all right now. doesn't matter. It's only, it would only take three nights in a row of no sleep, and we could just solve this. Right? I'm not gifted naturally with patience. I'm grateful that it's a virtue that comes by, by extension of spending time with the Holy Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit to become more patient. I hear people sometimes uh, talk about patience, and I wonder if we understand it the same way. The same way we look at slowness differently, I wonder if we understand patience accurately. In fact, in fact what, what would you say patience means? Someone in the room, you're thinking, well, it's, just, it's waiting. It's not waiting. It's actually waiting, hopefully. It's waiting without losing hope. It's waiting w- without declining in your character. It's waiting without your perspective being tainted. Some people are like, man, it was so long. <sighs> really, really like pushed my patience. I had to wait a long time. It was very frustrating. You actually weren't patient at all. If you waited frustrated, that's not patience. That, that's actually just an indication of your frailty. 
You're a human. You're stuck and locked in time this way. And so to God, a day is like a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is like a day. But to you and I, a day is like 24 hours for all of us, even the productive ones who get a lot done. Like we experience time in a linear fashion. It's our frailty. I waited. It was so annoying. You weren't patient. Patience is actually to maintain that same level of passion over time. In fact, this word patience in the Greek language, it's two words slapped together, okay? It's makrothamio. Macro, which means time. Thymio, which means passion. To be patient is to stay passionate for a long time. How patient are you? As long as things are happening quick, I'm super patient. No, no, how patient are you? To have passion over a long period of time. Last week was probably one of the best football weekends of the year. I'm talking about American football. One of the best NFL weekends of the year. All four games. Man, I know there's probably not many sports fans in the room because the sports fans are home watching this week's games. But, man, all four games last week, amazing. They came down to the last second. Big twists and turns and and some underdogs won, and it was amazing. The one game in particular that, that, that I quite enjoyed watching was the Chiefs and Bills. Chiefs and Bills have been rivals for a few years. They have two of the most high-powered offenses, and they were playing a close game for 58 of the 60 minutes. And then in the last two minutes, it just exploded. End to end, sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone, score after score after score after score, and the, the lead kept changing. And what, what I observed was not only... The, the intense skill of the offense, and let's, let's be honest, the relative failure of the defense to let that many scores happen. Someone's like, I'm not into sports. When's this story over? You need to develop some patience, okay? If you're going to get the best out of this, you need to develop some patience. What I like to watch in those times is not just the acts of physical dominance. What I like to watch is the response of the fans. And you look in the crowds, and there's these people, faces painted, Right? They, they've come prepared. They're wearing jersey under their hoodie, over their visor with their toque. They're, they're, they're just, they are so visibly passionate. And when their team scores, you just see them, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Woo! And you look at the fans and they're chest bumping. They're all excited. And then like 13 seconds later, the other team would score. And it would show the same fan just looking like forlorn and devastated. What? How could this be? You know, you see people, it's the cheers. And what I observe is short-term passion. Passion that, that it, it goes right through the roof when things are going well. But, but as is the case, things can change quickly. And then the crashing feeling of defeat. And unfortunately, I think too many of us in our spiritual life, we're like those fans. That, that when, we, when we see the immediacy of God working maybe in one situation or another, we experience blessing in one way or another, we're like, yeah, woo, that's what I'm talking about, until things don't happen exactly the way we want, and then we're like, how can this be? Where are you now, Lord? Man, if, if, we, could, if we could journal out the emotion of our prayers, we'd be really high one day and really low the next. And probably if we did, it would look a little bit like the book of Psalms. Because you see, the psalmists, the the poets, primarily David, seem to have the same sort of emotional makeup 
up one day, down the next. Let me show you real quick one of the conclusions he comes to in the book of Psalms, chapter 37. Someone's like, hold up, I thought we were talking about Joseph. We've now looked at Peter. We've talked about football. Now we're looking into Psalms. Guys, patience. Patience. Here we go. Uh, Psalm chapter 37. It says this, verse 1. Do not fret because those who are evil. Do not be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I wonder if in between the taking delight and the he will give you, if there's some patience required. There has been in my life. It says this, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. I wonder if one of the reasons we struggle most with patience is that we observe other people getting there faster. I wonder if we'd be okay with the process until we see somebody else hacking the process. I wonder if we'd be okay with, yeah, this is just how long it takes to develop a new business until we see a friend whose new business is just going crazy. Just how long it, it takes to, to build healthy relationships until they're, they're already engaged? What? I wonder if, if it's actually our distraction by the success stories and the failure stories of others that causes us to question and to, to lose heart in the midst of it. I love, it seems like David is talking mostly to himself. He's like, come on, David, don't fret. Just because evil people do things. Come on, commit your ways to the Lord, and he will do this. And I want to call you church, commit your ways to the Lord, he will do it. If he's given you a promise, he will keep it. If you're taking notes today, I'm going to begin my sermon. <laughs> Title, very quickly, is Dream Never Dies, Just the Dreamer. Dream never dies, just the dreamer. The type of dream that God wants to develop in your life and through your life will actually outlive you. I believe that if it's a dream from God where glory is going to go to God, it's because it will outlast you. It'll outlast the, the, the time that your hand was upon it. It'll outlast the fingerprints that your life leaves on it. The dream that God has for your life is an eternal dream. Certainly it's an eternal dream. In fact, in, in Daniel 13, it talks about those who are, are righteous live in eternity in heaven, and those who are, are unrighteous live separated from God, righteousness coming just by belief in Jesus. He goes, and those that are wise, who lead others to righteousness, woo, they're going to shine in the heavens forever. It's a dream that lives on. A dream that, that carries on. That's what was happening in Joseph's life. Is He had this long-term dream that God was giving him. And he wanted to take a short-term, quick withdrawal of that dream. God was giving him a dream. In your future, I'm going to put you in a place of prominence that's going to leave everyone else humbled around you. And he came, guys, I'm going to be amazing. You might as well start bowing now, Reuben. Naphtali, come on, get down, bro. Like, like he was trying for an immediacy, and it's just not the way that, that God's story unfolded in Joseph's life. In fact, I would question if it's the way God's story unfolds in, in virtually anyone's life. There's time. 
I, I love this week we started Vivid College. How many Vivid College students in the room? Come on. So, such a good time. I think it was a highlight of my week. I was so excited to be with you guys. And one thing I, I observed and we looked at together is that, that Jesus promises that power will come upon the disciples. But he says, first you need to wait, and then you will witness. First wait, then witness. First develop patience, and then experience power. It's waiting before witness. That's the way that God works. And it was the way God was working in Joseph's life, but he was trying to take a, a, a quick exit. Well, as the story unfolds, he was 17 at the time, sold into slavery, in Potiphar's house, in prison, and it wasn't until he was 30 that he came into the palace. Then another five years passed of, of plenty. You could go back and read the story. And then a couple years passed of famine. So Joseph is probably now about 37 years old. 20 years since the dream was first given. If he's anything like you and I, there was a lot of question marks in between. There was a lot of moments where his patience was tested. But because God is patient, we too must develop patience. If you take notes, write that down. The patience of God requires that I develop patience. Because God is slow in keeping his promises, not slow the way we understand, but slow so we get to be a part of this. Because he's graciously slow, staying passionate even when we're on our off days. He's passionate for a long time. Because God is patient, I need to develop patience. That's what happened to Joseph. He waited 20 years. And it would seem that his passion for the Lord, his response to the favor of God in his life, didn't diminish over those 20 years. Now, more than half of his life had been spent away from his family. How could the dream of his family seeing him in a place of honor ever come true when now he's lived more than half of his life separated from them? It seemed impossible until it happened. Look what it says in the book of Genesis, chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42 in verse 6. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. When Joseph's brothers arrived to purchase grain, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. What? The dream came true. The dream specifically, he said, I'm going to be like a sheaf of grain, and you're going to be like grain, and you're going to bow down. And they came and said, hey, you're the guy who sells grain, right? He goes, yeah, that's me. And they all bowed down. It's literally the details of his dream coming true. It says, as soon as Joseph saw them, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger. He spoke to them harshly. He said, where do you come from? from? From that time till the time he reveals who he is, at least months pass, maybe years. What, what do we observe? Joseph had developed patience. He developed patience. When he first heard about the dream, he had to tell everyone quickly. When it actually came true, he had the patience to, to wait. I used to think it was just him playing cruel tricks. But you do need to remember the last time, the last vision he had of his brothers was them selling him. There, there, there's some tests here. He's learned some wisdom in the process to, to ask and question. It's a great story. I think it ought to be made into a better rendition of a movie. But here he is, patience. I wonder if the patience of God has so far stimulated us to frustration. I wonder if so far it's stimulated us to scoffing, to losing hope, to losing heart. Well, the Bible is, is demanding of us 
that we get more wholesome thought about it. And remember one thing, God looks at time differently. Patience ought to develop patience in us. But not only did it develop patience, number two, his, his uh, story also developed perspective. The patience of God develops perspective in us. If you're taking notes, you can write that down as well. This week I had, had the honor to talk to an old friend of mine. His name's Peter. He's a, a pastor in the nation of Zambia. And uh, I, I met Peter when he was about 14. Peter's now in his early 30s. And thanks to Facebook, we stay in touch. And, uh, and we, we got on a call this week, and he was explaining to me and telling me some of the stories uh, of what he sees unfolding in his life and in his ministry in the, in the days to come. And he was like, it's going to happen very soon. And then he described a timeline that to me doesn't sound very soon. He's like, yeah, very soon, you know. I'm going to do this one thing, and it's like months and months from now. And then I was reminded of a, of a saying that I learned when the first time I ever visited the nation of Zambia and that, that part of Africa. And they said this, of the process of God, oh, yeah, it's just slowly, slowly. Slowly, slowly. This great proverb doesn't have a subject or a predicate. It's just that, slowly, slowly. Things happen slowly, slowly. If, if we develop patience, we also develop better perspective. Look at the perspective Joseph developed over this time of waiting. Uh, Genesis chapter 45, if you could go to verse 4. Finally, Joseph says to his brothers, it's me, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. He said, guys, guys, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph. I'm the one you sold into Egypt. They're like, this is not going to go anywhere good. But because Joseph had developed some perspective, he says this, and now do not be distressed do not be angry with yourselves for selling me because it was uh, to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wow, well, while Joseph was waiting, he was also developing better perspective. He was rewriting that story. How, how many people have ever gone back to a creative project or a writing project or an artistic project that they were working on and after looking at it with fresh eyes, they're like, ooh, that's not going to go there. And you, had to, you edited? How many people have ever written a text and then you didn't send it because you're like, I need to think about this for a while. And then you go back and, woo, I'm glad I didn't send that. Needed to do some editing there. Yeah, ever written an email and you're like, I'm going to save that in the draft section. I'm just not going to be too quick on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually allow perspective, time to pass, and to help me reshape that. That's what Joseph was doing. I imagine when he was thrown into a pit, he was going, this isn't right. I imagine when he was being sent to jail, he's like, this is not fair. My my story's not being told right. I imagine when he was forgotten, he was like, how could you? But by the time these 20 years had passed, he's like, guys, don't worry about it. God sent me here. It's all good. You don't don't even have to feel bad. I know you you were just a small part of this story, but God's got a way bigger story in, in, in perspective. That's challenging to me. That's challenging to me. Because when stuff happens in, in my life, I like to figure out whose fault it is. Don't we? Just me? We rehash to say, but then you said that. And then when you said that, I knew you were going to say this, so I said that. Gotcha. Your fault. You're right. I don't have very good patience or very good perspective, but God's still working in me. I love this because over the waiting process... Joseph's actually changed by it. He's transformed by it. He's more ready to receive it. 
Maybe it is that in the process of your waiting for the, the promise you feel God has for your life, that there's still some room to grow. Is that okay? So he, he develops patience, and the patience of God actually develops patience in us. He also develops perspective, and the patience of God requires that we develop perspective. And we start to see things the way God sees them over time, don't we? We start to see ourselves differently over time, don't we? Maybe there was a point in your life where, where you just thought, man, I'm a, such a failure. And then you look back now and you're like, man, what an incredible part of my testimony. That even when I failed, God got me through. Changed perspective, didn't it? It changed perspective. You used to look at yourself in the mirror and, and, and call yourself out. And now you're like, man, God was so faithful to me. Changes perspective. And thirdly, the patience of God has the opportunity at least to develop praise in our heart. Praise in our heart. I find praise, it, it, it's kind of like cooked best in a slow cooker. Praise is perspective plus. You know what I'm talking about? Going through some things and there's a richness to praise. I, I, I love the simplicity of, of, of praise. Come on, everyone shout to the Lord and woo, we're going to shout. Why? Because the Bible says so. But there's something so rich about long, patient, passion over time and a praise that's developed through some battles, through some ups and through some downs. I've had the honor of, of sharing thoughts from Scripture at, at three of my grandparents' funerals. They all serve Jesus. They all love God. And to look at the, the story of their life and just see a richness of praise. The last time I ever saw my grandfather living, we walked into the room. We had surprised him. Might have been the cause of death. I don't know. I'm joking. Guys. We walked in. He didn't know we were coming. And the first words out of his mind, out of his mouth, bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. He's so excited. And, and a few days later, he passed away. Bless the Lord. There's just like a richness to praise that's developed over time. What do we see in Joseph's life? Promised at 17, 20 years of waiting. He's starting to see a shift in perspective. It's probably not until that moment that his brothers came and bowed down that he goes, whoa. But then he has the patience not to cash out on it then. Imagine that, how the story changes. He's like, in your face, Simeon. Take that, Gad. Told you so. But he's got patience. He's developed patience over time. He goes, how am I going to present this in a way? I, I want to actually bring this. Guys, come close. Come close. Don't be far. Come close. Don't feel bad. Don't, don't be down on yourselves. It's like he's seeing empathy. You guys must have felt so guilty these 20 years. Don't feel bad anymore. You're free from that. He's sharing his perspective with them. And then he says this, and it's, it's praiseful to God. Look what he says. He goes, don't distress. Don't be angry with yourselves. It was God who did this he, to save lives. Down to verse 7. He goes, God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives with great deliverance. So then, it's not you who sent me here. It's God. His praise is this. Guys, look what the Lord has done. If you didn't do that and I didn't develop perspective, I'd never be here and then we'd all just be dead. We would have all starved to death. But because the Lord did this, Wow, look at that. He goes, go home, tell my dad. Tell him that I'm here and that I'm here for you and I'm here for him. Come on, come, let's praise together. It might feel impossible right now that the story you're walking through could turn into praise, which would probably be an indication that there's just still a little more patience. It's just a little more patience. Probably around the time 
that starts turning into some praise, you might see some things changing. And then I'm not saying that to, to manipulate. Praise is only ready when it's ready. You don't have to fake it. But over time, patience plus perspective leads to praise. It's got more praise. I promise you, see it through. Meet you back here. We're going to praise about it. Promise you. Not only does it develop patience and perspective and praise, but lastly, what it develops in Joseph is more passion. He didn't just maintain the same level of passion. He actually developed more passion. When we patiently wait with God, we don't just get to the end. We become more passionate. Early on, his story is, is really simple. I'm going to be great, and I need everyone to know it. But by the time he's actually there, he's like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, guys, don't worry about it. Just all good. Just come close. And he goes, what I have is for you. He starts sharing of his resource with them. When, when, when they come back to the land, he, he brings his brothers before Pharaoh. He goes, I want you to meet my brothers. And it says he picked the five best ones. I wonder which ones they were. He still had a ranking system in his mind. He's like, I know I'm the best. And then after, But he brought five that seemed most impressive. And he's like, Pharaoh, these guys right here, I'm telling you, the best shepherds you've ever seen. And he positions them in a place. Remember how the story started? It was Joseph criticizing his brother's abilities to shepherd. But, but he grew in more passion. His passion began to overflow. And now he's bringing his brothers up. These guys right here, I'm telling you, the sickest shepherds on the planet. And Pharaoh's like, awesome. Let them take care of my sheep too. He gets them jobs. And then his dad comes. He's like, dad, you got to meet Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you got to meet my dad. You guys are going to be buds. And he brings his dad to Pharaoh. He's like, Pharaoh, this guy right here, this is my dad. And then Jacob's like, oh, I'm not nearly as old as my father's were. I've lived a long, hard life. But he blesses Pharaoh. He positions them. When his dad eventually dies, you know what the first thing Joseph does is? He gets his brothers back together. He goes, guys, I, I wasn't just pretending for dad's sake. I really love you. We're really okay. We really never need to go back and figure that thing out. I meant what I said. We're good. We're family. And when he's breathing his last, look at this. Look at this. Genesis chapter 50. Whew, check this out. Yeah, he speaks to his brothers. It says he reassured them with kind words. I want patience to make me kinder. How about you? If it's not making you kinder, it's not patience. It's just waiting frustrated. And then he says this. We're going to end here. Says as he's dying, at 110, by the way, 17 years till he was promised, 20 years till it came true. It seems like a lifetime. But then he had over 70 years of enjoying closeness, fellowship, family, legacy, passion fulfilled, prominence, import, all those things in due time. To the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And when he's breathing his last, he speaks a promise to the future. Look what he says, verse 24 of Genesis 50. This is how the book of Genesis ends. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely come to your aid. And he'll take you up out of this land to a land that he promised an oath to Grandpa Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob our dad. Then Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath to him, saying, God will surely come to your aid. And when he does, 
you must carry my bones away from this place. What a weird message. Started talking about football, we're ending with bones. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. Speaking of the faith of Joseph. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. A couple thousand years later, or in God's time, two days. This day is like a thousand years. Yeah, okay. Hebrews eleven twenty-two. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt, and he gave them these instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Pastor Justin, why are you ending on a story about bones? Ending about, let's just end with the promise came true, we're good, happily ever after. Well, well, the thing is that Joseph dreamed in such a way, and he gave his whole life to that dream. And then the dream fulfillment was way beyond the extent of his life. And generations passed before the fullness of that dream was fulfilled. And then generation upon generation upon generation upon generation upon generation passed before someone wrote about it in Hebrews. Why? Because the, the, the dream never dies, just the dreamer. Joseph the dreamer, his, he lived his 110 years and then he passed away. But the dream and the faith and the favor on his life extends throughout the, the course of time, so much so that the Bible says his endurance teaches us how to have hope. Today, someone's going to leave this auditorium more hopeful about God's promise for their life because Joseph learned how to be patient. Really different story if Joseph, and then he was in prison, and he just gave up. The end. But because he developed patience and perspective and praise, because his passion actually grew in the process, your dream is going to be easier for you to take hold of. Your promise is going to be easier for you to hold on for. I want that kind of persistence. I want that kind of long passion. Are you with me? Can I pray for you? Jesus, I thank you for my friends in this room, for your sons and daughters, those you dearly love. I thank you that your promise is good, that you're the keeper of every promise and the giver of every good gift. And while we wait, we want to wait patiently. Develop patience in us. Gift us with perspective. Help us to deepen a, a, a heart of praise. And Lord, may our passion grow. I feel for, for some of us over these last few years, our passion has declined. Like a sports fan who's not seeing the immediate wins on the field of play. But may our passion grow and develop in the days to come. Even as we wait. Even as we wait. And God, I pray that as we look back on the dream, and we look back towards the promises, that we'd have the prophetic eye to edit and go, you know what? This was just me. God's dream is better than this. It lasts longer than this. May we give our lives to something worth dying for. In Jesus' name. With eyes closed, heads bowed, nobody's looking around. Nobody's uh, distracted in the room. I just want to ask you, do you know Jesus as your Savior? You need to know that the, the pl promise and plan of God, the dream God had for our life, was that none should perish, but all could enter into eternal life. And because God's so patient, that dream is still being fulfilled in the hearts and lives of people all across the, the globe. In fact, anyone who asks the Lord for help will be saved. And the greatest dream, the greatest promise of life eternal without 
condemnation or guilt can be realized in the hearts of any person who asks the Lord for help. So with eyes closed, heads bowed, if that's you, you say, I, I want to be in relationship with Jesus. No one else is looking around. Just, just wave at me. I want to know who I'm praying with today. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Anybody else? You go, that's me. I want to make my life right with God. Yeah, I see you. I'm excited for you. Just give one more moment. I know there might be someone going, if he asks one more time, maybe that's God speaking to me. So I'm going to ask one more time. I think God's speaking to you. Awesome. That's you. You can pray this prayer with me, okay? Pray it in faith. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth, you're saved. So we're going to pray a prayer together. I'll give you some words to help guide that faith. Dear Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart today. I know that I'm imperfect, that I've made mistakes, but I believe your grace is perfect and that your love is available to me. And so today I repent of my sin and I receive your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So excited for you. If you prayed that prayer today, don't leave without telling somebody. We want to encourage you in your next steps. And uh, before we even go anywhere today, would you stand up on your feet? We're just going to sing this course really quickly. I'm going to build my life. I'm going to build my life on the promises of God. Even if it takes time, we're going to build our life on the promises of God. Amen? Even if it takes patience, we're going to build our life on the promises of God. Amen? We're going to develop and grow new perspective, more praise, more passion. So let's sing this really quickly. I will build my life upon your love. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.